and God's eye is on the sparrow. It says in Matthew chapter 6, you know, as he's telling us, as Jesus is telling the crowd, why are you worried? God watches over the birds of the sky and he feeds them. It is a powerful reality that God's compassion extends beyond himself, beyond heaven, and reaches out to everything he's created. God is a God of love. And tomorrow, I have the honor of having a, a wonderful birthday. Uh, I'm about to turn 40, um, which means on some level, I'm, I'm over the hill, but I'm afraid uh, that this hill is more like the hills that my gramps had to, to, to climb when he was going to school. He used to tell his kids that it was uphill both ways, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not about to enter the downhill, uh, just roll, you know, roll slide of ease for the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure I've reached this hill only to realize, oh, there's another steep hill to climb from here um, which is excellent but you reach these points in life and I at least for me uh, I'm always pondering you know where have I arrived where am I going you know kind of that New Year's moment and with birthdays I think that especially birthdays like this one you know I'm 40 where did I picture myself when I was a kid at 40 where did I picture myself when I was graduating college or seminary at 40 and you know you start to look around and realize I, I, I thought I'd be so much better than I currently am uh, at least that's how I look around and, I, and the Super Bowl of course is happening tonight and I would love to be at the Super Bowl uh, as I think everyone here would probably give up their seat here at this church to be at the Super Bowl um, but last uh, this week I've been watching ticket prices and last night I checked again uh, and they were starting at five thousand uh, dollars on StubHub and but I clicked on uh, you know front row seats or at least as close as you could get uh, uh, and I don't know what the 72 Club is. It's all-inclusive. But if you can read these prices up here, that is $20,000, $20,367. Although StubHub has an offer. Uh, if you put in Super Bowl 2020, you get $500 off that ticket. <laughs> I couldn't afford it if the ticket was $500. <laughs> and I was thinking, I have not arrived to the point where I can afford a Super Bowl ticket. And I don't know that I ever imagined myself arriving at that point, but I am not that. Um, and there's just this realization as you grow older, you're not going to be all the things you thought you were going to be as a kid. And you're not going to be able to do all the things you thought you were going to be able to do when you were graduating college. And the question is, are you doing the things that are really important? And of course, going to the Super Bowl would be awesome, but it's not necessarily really important. I'll enjoy watching it this, this evening. Uh, and what is really important? And at work on Friday, at, here at church on Friday, uh, I showed up uh, and it was just kind of one of those crazy days, all kinds of things happening, lots of meetings happening. Um, and, and it was one of those days where I came home and told Megan, I said, I don't think anybody was happy to see me today. <laughs> like all of these meetings were just, you know, financial junk and things like that. Uh, and I said, I don't know that anybody really wanted to see me today. Uh, and I said, except for the, on Friday mornings, I volunteer at, at the elementary school. And I have not been able to do that for weeks because school's been canceled for snow or delayed for snow. Uh, and I said, the, I think the only person happy to see me was the little boy I visit on Friday mornings. And I thought about that. And how important that was. 
that he, I showed up and the teacher announced, Looks who, look who's here, and he pops up out of his seat to come and meet me. And what is really important in life? Going to the Super Bowl would be awesome, but it's not so important that there's a little boy who loves me and I love him. And in the same way, all of us, we have these relationships around us that are so essential. And if you look at our God, what does he really care about? All of his creation, he's building relationships. That's why when we pray, he listens. That's when we cry out for help, he comes. That's why when we were destitute and bound for destruction, he was willing to die. Let us pray. God, I pray that in this moment, God, that it'll be a day of joy and celebration. And God, I, you know, it's probably wrong to pray for the chiefs, but I think we're all doing it, Lord. <laughs> and so I do pray for that moment. But Lord, I pray especially that each one of us will seize on the things you care about. God, that we will embrace relationships like you do, that we will embrace the outsider, the lost, the forgotten, the broken, the hurt, the sad, the depressed. God, that we will reach out to love them just as you do in your name, amen. And it is Super Bowl 54, which is a great Roman numeral because, uh, you know, at least it looks like L-I-V to us. And so right when I saw it, I wanted to do a series on Philippians and live. And it me what does it mean to live for Christ? What does it mean to live this life, this new life of the kingdom what does it mean to not be pursuing the prizes of this world? Not that there's anything wrong with winning the Super Bowl. That's wonderful. But what does it mean to pursue the prize that God has for us? And what is that prize? So I'm very excited about today, but I'm even more blessed to know God and to know that God cares about me. In Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, Paul writes... But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it, obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And I love this line from Paul. If you think differently, that's okay. God's gonna change your mind. You're gonna come around to the way I see things. But that's so different than how we in today's culture approach different thoughts. We subdivide and we ostracize. And Paul says, look, if you don't agree with me, it's okay. God's gonna make it all clear. We don't have to argue about all of that. Let's just focus on Jesus. And if you sit down with any church, there's all these denominations and there's liberal churches and there's conservative churches. You know, there's open and affirming churches and there's churches uh, that don't uh, allow all kinds of people into their walls and all, everything in between. And yet they all come back to Jesus. And Paul says, let's stop arguing about all these things. And let's just keep coming back to Jesus. And Jesus is going to make everything else clear to us. Because there is truth and answers on all these other issues. But let's just come back to the one thing we know. Rather than dividing and fighting endlessly. So if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained and what have they already attained i think the i don't think this was true of the early church but the modern church uh, has become very adept at handing out tickets to heaven and made our strategy making sure everyone has one of these tickets we have steps that you go through uh, to make sure that you have accepted Jesus and questions that you need to know the right answers to and it's all in an effort so that you will know that you're going to heaven and there can be a feeling that that is all the church is about getting people into heaven but there's so much more. That is a part of what Jesus came to do, to transition us out of death and destruction and move us into resurrection. But what Paul is talking here about throughout this passage, he says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. And what have we already attained, he says, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained that. See, what he is trying to live up to isn't heaven and that life with God he's obtained something else and that something else is the most important thing for this life right now getting a ticket to heaven is really just the first step in a life that becomes about knowing Christ and living like Christ as he says in verse 7 I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. And what has he attained? He's attained relationship with Jesus. Now that relationship will lead to resurrection and lead to heaven. It will lead to the prize of living with God forever. But right now in this moment, we have attained something. And our whole life should be about that. Living into that knowing Jesus. Living into knowing Jesus. 
And so that coming down the aisle and saying a prayer with the pastor and meeting with him later and and having the right answers to the questions asked is just the beginning of knowing Jesus. It is the introduction, the first steps of relationship, and the rest of your life is this growing together in relationship with Jesus. And everything we do as a church should be focused on that one thing, to know Jesus more and to introduce other people to Jesus, that they may all experience the love of God. And one thing that I, am, that I think is just Chandler's most beautiful quality is the relationships we build as a community. And I think each church is striving to be excellent in every single area uh, that a church, you know, you know, whether it's worship or whether it's small groups or whether uh, it's building, churches are always striving to make everything excellent. You know, they want a perfect sermon. That's what I work on every week so that this moment is epic. Uh, you know, we want perfect music. Uh, we want the building to be right. We want the stage to be amazing, which it is amazing. But what does Chandler really excel at? What is our best quality? It is the relationships we have with one another. It is the love we have with one another. I'm in, uh, you know, pastor small groups, and as as it has become more popular to uh, simulcast, you know, a famous pastor into your church. I mean, there's all kinds of churches where there's no pastor on stage. There's just a video of the pastor going. We've all joked that eventually none of us will have a job. They'll just be piping in all the most amazing pastors from across you know, the nation or maybe even across the world. Uh, and we laugh about that. But, but what does Chandler bring that a huge church cannot bring? I know every single one of you. If you've been coming here even for a few months, I know you. I know your children. In the bulletin right now, you can look at the very bottom of the bulletin and it lists me, Tamara, and Andrea. Email us and we'll go out to coffee with you. And that's true. Email me and I will go out to coffee with you this week. Or if we can't make it this week, we'll go next week. There's this opportunity to build relationships in this place, deep, loving relationships that transform this community, that transform your individual lives, and then begin to reach out to transform the community around us. And we need to strive to have those relationships look like Christ. The reason I have spaghetti is the image up here on screen is because this week, the week before this, there was an opportunity to, to, to help feed some people, some families, some homeless folks, uh, and Michelle Bonham was organizing all this, so she just sent out an email. I need spaghetti, I need uh, sauce, I need meat, and people of Chandler just began pouring in all of these things, and so that when I came home on a Wednesday afternoon, Megan was one of the people actually preparing this, trying to figure out, because she'd warmed all the spaghetti up in all these containers, uh, the sauce up in all these containers, and she was like, how in the world do I now get the spaghetti <laughs> into these? Because she'd also made all the spaghetti, and so it was sitting in these huge vats, and trying to mix all those things together was this huge, chaotic mess. But it was also just the image of Chandler sending out God's love. Because Michelle was able to take all of these, there was much more than just what you saw in the picture, all of this and offer this as physical food to people who needed physical food. And in doing that, she's able to offer the spiritual love of Jesus to people who need to know that they are loved 
by God. And that is the beauty of what it means to be Chandler. We find needs and we respond. And we love and we act. And I want to just encourage you to keep doing these things. When you know someone is hurting, to step into action. To bring food if they're hungry or maybe if they're just sad, food also can fix that sometimes. To bring prayer, to bring encouragement, to bring grace, to bring healing. And when something breaks and there's a relationship that's not working in this room, to realize that that break hinders the entire thing that God is doing here. That if all the relationships in this room start to break down, that God's love is going to stop flowing out into the community. And we, as God's body at Chandler, need to bring healing, need to bring the love of God. Because to know Christ is to know what Jesus did in this world. And everywhere, what he was doing was building relationships. The thing I think that was one of his hallmark ministry styles was sitting at the table with people of all different conditions. The rich, the poor, the the so-called holy, the unholy, the, the, the religious, the unreligious. They were all sitting at the table eating together celebrating. Uh, Tammy Shineman, our treasurer, came in to, uh, and she was just counting checks and doing those sort of things, end of the year things, uh, and she was sharing that Groundhog's Day is coming up, which today is Groundhog's Day, and she said that what she loved about Groundhog's Day with her kids uh, is that they would always go and get a sausage biscuit, uh, because of course a sausage biscuit is groundhog. Um, and <laughs> And I have thought, Tammy, that's brilliant, and I want to start taking my kids out for Groundhog on, on, what is this day called again? Thank you, Groundhog's Day. I just said it like 12 times. Um, <laughs> my brain stopped. It is. I, I'm going to be 40 tomorrow, so I'm going to, you know, I'm, sli- I'm slipping, people. I need my notes. Um, <laughs> I love that moment. I love that relationship with kids and family. But I also think that is the moment that exemplifies Jesus so much. Jesus was teaching. Jesus was preaching. Jesus was doing incredible things, healing in just unimaginable ways. The blind saw, the the lame would walk. But Jesus was also just eating. His first miracle was to keep a party going by making new wine. that was better than the old wine. Because Jesus was passionate about the relationships that developed at the table. And so I imagine if Jesus were here today and Groundhog's Day were occurring, he'd be, bu- he'd be pulling sausage biscuits out of the sky rather than loaves and fish and inviting everybody to that table, to that fellowship, to the beginning of resurrection. And Chandler, that's what we are called to be about. To know Jesus is to know how to love our neighbors, to invite them to the table. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Paul declares. He's throwing everything off. And what is he throwing everything off? He wants to know Jesus, and he wants everybody to know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, what do you experience? God's love. 
God's love. Because the huge motion of God was not to cast judgment on us, Jesus went to the cross. That you may know God's love. And then the sign that Jesus left us as a community with Because baptism is one of the essential signs, but baptism was already around. John the Baptist was baptizing lots of groups, baptized. It was symbolic, not just in Jewish culture, but in lots of religions. Baptism was a part of how they practiced. But communion, coming to the table, Jesus created that. As a symbol for what we're to be about. To know him is to know the table and to know the invitation of the table. And Jesus, when he sat down with his disciples at that last supper, creating this sacrament, he began the invitation to sit. And the invitation extended for all to sit. And the table just keeps extending and extending. And the thing about the table that I talk a lot about is everyone is invited, but who else is sitting at the table God himself sits at the table with you, extending the love of Christ that was found in the bread that was broken and the blood that was shed, the cup. To know Christ is to know the love of God. And to know the love of God is to realize that this table that God has made is for everyone. And we're about to, in this moment, I'm gonna have the deacons stand